Hello, everyone. Welcome to uh, the latest edition of the Bet It Right show in conjunction with BetItRight.com, a football website that brings the data to your door. And each week, we'll update you on the key numbers and metrics that you can use to help you show up in front of your mates and allow you to bet better. So like and subscribe this podcast. Tell all your friends about it. Get involved with us at BetItRight.com. Firstly, a couple of bits of housekeeping. Uh, and the first one, possibly the most important one, but a very happy birthday on Monday, Dean. I know it was um, a big day for you, so I hope you had a, a good celebration. It was a nice, quiet celebration. I work with some players in Alicante and we went out for a bit of dinner. And I know everyone's saying to me, how old are you? You know, you don't look your age. All I can say is that there is a three and a four in my age. And it's up to you which which way you around you put those numbers. <laughs> We'll, we'll ask the, the, the Twitter users what they think. Yeah, exactly. um, yeah, 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 do that, actually. I want to see, you know, let's see if they, they well. It might be see. heartbreaking for you. Well, yeah, true. Well, and, unless you are actually 43, in which case there's <laughs> no upside. Who um, knows? Who knows? Um, anyway, I hope you had a good day. The, the other bit of housekeeping I wanted to say, and it's a big well done, uh, your tips last week on the pod were exceptional. You're on fire. Um Every time I checked BIR Insights to see, you know, the little cut downs of what we do on the show, it's like another winner for Dean, another winner for Dean. So your ego must have taken an almighty boost over the last seven days. Well, all I can say is you can't really boost an ego when you don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was a good week. The, you know, the guys that I work with behind the scenes and our data scientists and the people that run the numbers and talk to me and suggest games to look at and leagues to look at. You know, they're, they're, a, they're an integral part of what we do here at Bet It Right. And they were brilliant last week. They're brilliant behind the Bet It Right pages on Twitter every week. So let's keep that ball rolling forward. And hopefully I've got some good ones for you today. For sure. Um, well done. We've got, um, we've got another huge weekend of football. And actually, <clears throat> I guess the big game is the Manchester derby, isn't it? But before we look at that, it kind of got us thinking. And we, we put this question out on Twitter as well about the sort of best derbies in world football. I want to get your thoughts in a moment. But here's some of the responses we had. Uh, Jacob's Ladder and Sue, uh, who I'm sure is named after the Ronaldo celebration on Twitter, was um, they voted for Rangers Celtic. Jack Gar went for El Clasico or the Milan derby. Actually, they drew nil nil in the Coppa Italia in the week, um, AC and Inter. Uh, Jordan went for River Plate versus Boca, which is an epic match, um, lively as well. And we had a suggestion of Dynamo Zagreb and Hadjuk Split, amongst many others, which included Tottenham and their trophy cabinet being a derby, which I quite <laughs> liked as well. Um, oh, bless Tottenham. Bless, yeah. bless. They were very Spursy in the week as well, weren't they? Bless them. Yeah, they were. They really were. Um, there are obviously so many world, so many derbies in world football. What do you think is the best or which ones have you experienced that, that you, you remember? Being an Everton fan, Everton-Liverpool is massive for me. One of my first memories, like really vivid memories of football was the 4-4 draw in the FA Cup fifth round replay in 91. That gives a suggestion of whether it's 34 or 43. And that was an epic game. I remember crying in front of my TV, just losing my mind watching that game. And that's obviously a big one for me. The Boca River Plate one that you mentioned before is one that I've always wanted to attend like you said, it just looks so lively, like the atmosphere, the stadium, the colours. It looks crazy. Uh, but I think for the Premier League era, I think Arsenal United is probably one of the best derbies, just because of all the stuff that's happened. 
the Van Nistelrooy, Keown, you know, him jumping on his head after he missed the penalty, uh, Fabregas throwing pizza at Alex Ferguson in the tunnel, the 8-2, you know, Roy Keane, that for me stands out. Uh, what, what about yourself? Yeah, well, <clears throat> I know that most people know me as a Yeovil fan, but growing up, Arsenal was a sort of team I had a, a big soft spot for. And um, during that era of the uh, sort of Arsenal, United, Wenger, um, Ferguson, Keane, Vieira, that was always the game that I got really, really excited about. I know that your Everton Liverpools, your City Uniteds in the Premier League are obviously massive games, but I guess the first time I sort of felt a, a fierce rivalry to a club was definitely United as a sort of hybrid Arsenal fan. But the, <laughs> I was talking to someone in Scotland, actually, the other day. Um, I'm going to name drop, but Ali McCoist. And he said the Rangers-Celtic um, rivalry derby atmosphere was just phenomenal. Um, and I, I haven't been lucky enough to, to go to an El Clasico or a De Clasica in Germany or a Milan derby, but watching them, it always seems that they're special games. But, that you know, I suppose the foreign one, like bucket list stuff would be to go to South America to a derby. Just the yeah. atmosphere seems off the charts. Um, Schalke, you, you... Schalke Dortmund as well, Porto Benfica. Like the Rangers, Celtic that you mentioned, I was doing a bit of reading before the show just about, you know, different things that have happened in that game particularly. And it, rem it reminded me of the whole Gaza thing with the flute in 1998. And then you've got referees being hit with coins, three players sent off, and four players were actually in court in 1987 for breaching the peace from a game of football, you know, because it just kicked off. And those sort of games where you've got that, that such intense rivalry, like Graham Souness, Galatasaray, Fenerbahce running to the middle of the pitch and sticking that flag in the ground. I mean, just... Moments like that just live forever. I mean, I mean, what's he doing? You know, <laughs> just <laughs> saying, right, I'm never going back to Turkey ever again after this moment. But that's what, you know, that's what the sport's all about, that rivalry. You know, Everton-Liverpool, mum's from Liverpool, mum supports Everton, dad supports Liverpool, the kids are split. You know, obviously this this last season, you had the Jordan Pickford tackle on Virgil van Dijk, Robbie Fowler doing the, you know, the snorting, you know, pretending to snort cocaine along the white line. It goes on and on. And this weekend we've got United City and that was obviously the infamous game where Roy Keane has gone out, smashed Alf Inger Holland, and mm. then later on in his autobiography revealed that he did it on purpose and got a £150,000 fine. Yeah. Um, I watched that tackle back. I mean, it's absolutely brutal. That challenge. Oh, it looks a little bit, it's, it's like as reckless as the Gaza one on Gary Charles in that cup final when he wrecked his knee, yeah. you know, in the chest just going straight out just to volley somebody and send them into the crowd. But I don't think we're going to get that from uh, from Pep's Man City or Ranjik's United somewhat. See, sadly for me now, I'm dealing with Yeovil Weymouth is the only thing to get me excited <laughs> in terms of a rivalry in the National League. But um, we'll look in the Premier League preview, which is obviously coming up as it always does in the, the Bet It Right show, we'll, we'll touch on the City United match. Um, we'll have, as always, the European preview as well, where Dean will take us around Europe and pick out some key talking points and, and highlight some bets for us. And we'll have the tactics room. But our new strand, thanks to our friends at um, Surprise Shirts, is the kit room. And so without further ado, let's uh, head to the kit room now where Dean is going to do a rather snazzy transition for us, like the TikTok kids of 2022. I know, right? Here we go. Ready? As if by magic. 
And here we are. This is the shirt for the week from our great friends at Surprise Shirts, as we talked about last week. Every time you get the shirt, you get a little bit of information about the club. So the challenges for the Bennett Wright users to see if they can guess this banger. And again, they've, they've dealt me another brilliant shirt this week. So facts about this club. It's a French shirt. This was actually the shirt that they used in pre-season and they binned it before the regular season. A little bit of extra cash maybe back there. Uh, they've been down in League Two in France now for a few years. And some of their famous players that have played for them before include Eric Cantona and one Basil Bowley, who did love a little bit of a scrap. And also the former captain of the national team, Laurent Blanc. The name of their stadium includes part of the name of a very, very famous French manager. That's all I'm going to give you. So once again, a great thanks to our friends at Surprise Shirts. Catch them on their socials. Website surpriseshirts.co.uk. The Twitter is at Surprise Shirts, and you can catch them on Instagram, surprise underscore shirts. But what do you think, Ollie? Another banger? Yeah, I like it. Um, the sort of, I don't know what you'd say, the sort of writing above the badge just threw me a bit. I didn't think you were going to say it was French, but. Well, no, I think it's, uh, it looks Japanese or Chinese. Yeah. But I think they've got a few different sponsors knocking about. Nice bit of detail on the arm. And here, of course, the French League 2 sponsored by Domino's. So you've got French League 1 sponsored by Uber Eats. Uh, French League 2 sponsored by Domino's. French League 3. I mean, who are they sponsored by? McDonald's? I mean, it's, you're, not, you know, you're not promoting top-class sporting you know, prowess if you're popping out for Domino's and, and Uber Eats. But, you know, whatever pays the bills. Money talks. Um... Money does talk. <laughs> does talk. We should just say at this point, well done to Note Paddy. He was the first person to guess Trasbon. Uh, tra 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 <laughs> I, I can tell you who the first person definitely wasn't to guess. Trabzonspor from Turkey, which was last week's shirt. I knew I was going to stumble over that. Um, but yeah, no Paddy was the fastest finger first there. So congratulations and let us know who you think that shirt is in the surprise shirt kit room this week. Very good. Tactics room time. Uh, what have you got for us this week? What's the game in focus? So the game this week that we're going to look at tactically is Liverpool against West Ham. Liverpool in second, West Ham in fifth. Liverpool now with a real chance after City's lost to Spurs, fighting for first and second with City six points behind with a game in hand. West Ham fighting for that third and fourth, overperforming probably in the league, but fighting with Chelsea, United, Arsenal and Spurs. There's the eight point gap between those teams. And looking for that third or fourth Champions League spot, which for David Moyes' team would be an unbelievable achievement. Um, both teams played last night in the FA Cup. Liverpool won against Norwich. A couple of goals from Minamino. West Ham lost to a very much revitalised Southampton team. And they actually played 3-5-2 last night, which is going to be part of the tactical talk today. Firstly, before we go into the tactics, let's, let's look at recency. Just a reminder to the Bet It Right users that you can go on to the site set games for recency, four, eight, 12 games or season. So you can start to see the form and you know those numbers aren't just replicating the whole season, it's there. So you can look at, you know, changes in formation, personnel after the January window. Liverpool, last eight at home, eight wins. West Ham, last eight away. Two wins, two draws, four losses. So straight up recency wise, and we know how strong Liverpool are at home, you're going to be on Liverpool's side. But now let's have a look at the market prices and let's have a look at the tactics. First things first for West Ham, going away to Anfield, always, always difficult. But 
West Ham are a team that favour having less possession. So they struggle in games where they have over 50, 60% possession because they're better when they can counter-attack. And that will be the case here at Anfield with Liverpool dominating the ball. Now, the next question is, do West Ham play a back four or a back five? You need coverage against Liverpool in front of the centre-halves when they have that false nine that drops in, whoever it is, Mane, Yotta, Firmino, so that when those centre-halves get dragged in and runners are outside to inside, you've got that coverage. Now, with a back five, that helps. Cover the pockets, the jump press from the left and right centre-half, you have that extra coverage. So first things for the users, check if they're playing a back four or a back five. They'll be a little bit more exposed with a back four. A back five will also allow them to leave Bone and Antonio high to allow them to counter-attack and to utilise that space down the sides of the Liverpool centre-halves when Robertson and Trent are advanced and joining in the attacking play. So that's the West Ham side. Back four, back five, counter-attack. Now look at Liverpool. Now Liverpool will try and expose West Ham's wide areas, especially if you look at the matchups. Now, whether it is Sane or Yotta on the left, Salah on the right. West Ham on the right-hand side, Craig Dawson lacks some pace, mobility, change of direction isn't great. And Kufal, who will be next to him if they're playing a back five, his positional sense isn't great. So anything on the blind side can really expose him. So that's an area that I think Liverpool will target. Flip to the left, or Liverpool's right and West Ham's left, it will be a straight matchup between Mo Salah and Cresswell, which is a big mismatch for me with Salah being able to dominate that one versus one. So when you look at that and you say, OK, could we pull? do they have enough to pull Zuma out? Do they have enough runners in behind? Liverpool tempo, both playing in midweek. I think it's a game, firstly, with goals. So my first recommendation in the tactics room this week is on over three goals. But then on the flip side of that, I looked at the market and West Ham are surprisingly plus 1.5 on the handicap. So if you put those two bets together, I think there's real equity value in there for punters to go both markets. West Ham to grab a couple of goals, maybe on the counter-attack, maybe to lose 2-1, you'd get even up uh, money back on your on the overs bet, but you'd win the handicap. I don't see many scorelines where you'd lose both bets there, so I think it's a great shout. West Ham plus 1.5 and over three goals in the game there. That's interesting. Do the um, West Ham midfield, particularly Declan Rice, does he offer something that Liverpool, in that system that you were talking about with a back five or a back four, where he can negate the Liverpool player dropping back in the front yeah, three. Exactly that. That protection there where they want to try and keep that back five and that midfield three just to cover the inside pockets. What you do is you provide really good protection in front of Zuma for that, like you suggested, the player dropping in. So the midfielders don't have to cover the width of the pitch. Mm. And then you've got the left and the right centre half that can just jump out into that pocket. Now, the danger with the Liverpool is that late arrival, especially from Robertson at left back, where maybe if you get that jump press and Kufal's not, his observations aren't great, his distancing isn't great. If he gets attracted out of the line, then you can get players in behind him, potentially Robertson arriving late or a midfielder running from deep. But the formations do match up for me for goals here. Rice will be important, but we know what Liverpool are like at home, right? It's that tempo, that drive. And I do think this is a game that could really open up at both ends with West Ham offering a fairly decent threat on the counter-attack. My final question about this game is unrelated to a betting point of view, but lots of people are obviously playing FPL. It's getting to this sort of business end of the season in that there are a few chips to use. Does the big three now of Liverpool uh, consist of Diaz, Mane and Salah, as opposed to Jota, Mane and Salah? How impressed have you been by Diaz since he's come into the, to the squad? 
it's he's been a great signing in the fact that he can just slide straight in. You know, we talked about Newcastle's window in after January and how we were kind of confused at the players that they brought in. But when you look at a club having done their recruitment correctly and they've identified players that fit their profile and they're looking at the data behind it and looking at their outputs, whether that's 1v1 duels, whether that's progressive passes in the final third, whether that's assists and goals, it's clear that Liverpool have highlighted him as a player that can come straight in. There's no transition period. There's no settling in period that sometimes happens with players. And he's he's just gone straight in there. And I think they can move that front line however they want. Uh, during midweek, you've got Mane playing in as a false nine. Yota coming back from a slight injury. Minamino starting now to just, you know, to look a little bit more settled. So I think they've got so many options. It, it's kind of frightening when you think about it. And I think they could, you know, after this game at the weekend, put the pressure on to sit in. I hope that we see an unbelievable race towards the end of the season. It's looking that way, isn't it? I hope so. Get it. Yeah. I hope so, because, you know, that's what we're here for. We don't want a team that are 15 points clear. We don't want a PSG like in France, where even when they're playing poorly, they still, they're still 10, 12 points clear. We want this race, like we talked about with Italy. We want that, even if it's just two teams, something to keep yeah. you, you know, to keep you biting for the whole Definitely. year. Spoken like a true blue. Um, Dean... <laughs> <laughs> In a relegation battle. Yeah. <laughs> Cheering Liverpool to make the title race interesting. Yeah, well, I've got to, I've got to cheer for something. It's either that or just trying to avoid being in the bottom three at the end of the season. And I'm hoping that Jesse Marsh doesn't come in with a rousing USA, USA speech and kind of pull Leeds out of yeah. the mire. I don't know what's mm. going to happen. You are unlucky with the penalty though, aren't you? Oh, don't even talk to me about that. But you know, it's, it's on the T-shirt line. People are just going to be wearing like really long T-shirts. What about if someone's got short arms or long arms? I mean, what's going on? It's, it's clearly just a penalty, you know. Yeah. At least you got an apology from oh, yeah. Mike Riley or whoever it was. Yeah. Frank Lampard's going to love that. Just, you know, take it home. Oh, yeah, that's all right, though. You know, we don't said sorry. <laughs> yeah. End of the season. Back in the championship for the first time ever in our history. But, we, you know, we got an apology. Not bitter about yeah. it at all. But there you go. <laughs> the um the the team that were fortunate with that decision were Man City and they feature in our Premier League preview. Um City United, big derby. We spoke about the, the derbies in world football earlier today. Uh where do we stand with United? Flashes of good, mainly bad. What is the assessment after now what is becoming a bit more of a suitable sample to assess under Rangnick. Yeah, last year, these two weirdly won 2-0 away from home. So they shared one win each. Rangnick's been in there now for enough games to look at the team. And when he came in, he said that his first job was to shore them up defensively and make them concede less goals. And he has done that. They've only lost one game under him against Wolves. Defensively, their numbers have improved massively. And they've only had over two and a half goals in three out of the last eight games, which is actually the same as Man City. Now, they're two points above Arsenal, West Ham. City are obviously there, Liverpool on their heels after the defeat to uh, Spurs. So this is a massive, massive game. And City with only one loss since the end of October. And that was obviously against Spurs. Now, Ranić, this could be Ranić's only ever experience as a manager, it, you know, of the Manchester of the Manchester derby before he goes upstairs or before, you know, potentially he leaves. But like I said, defensively, they've improved. City's goals and XG output is outstanding. Over two and a half goals from just over 2.3 XG and 10 out of 13 
wins at home. Now, but this game for me, which is why I wanted to talk about it. Yes, it's a derby and yes, it'll be exciting, but it's really around the individual matchups. Now, before when we talked about Manchester United, we said that they do thrive when they have space to play. And when we did the Man City Spurs preview, we talked about Spurs potentially exploiting Man City on the counter-attack, and that is what happened. So when I was sitting looking at this game, I was thinking, well, you know, do Man United have the quality to exploit Manchester City in the same way as Spurs did? And the answer to that for me is no. Now, what Ranić struggled with is to get his best players in the team and achieve some defensive solidity, especially when Pogba plays. So for our Bet It Right users, for the fantasy players, you know, does Pogba play and how does that impact their XG conceded and obviously their XG created? Now, are their attackers good enough? You know, does Sancho play? Does Rashford play? Does Alanga play? If they do, will they play Ronaldo or Cavani? And then you've got to fit Fernandez in there. So for me, their ability to counter-attack isn't good enough to expose Diaz and Laporte, as we've talked about before. It's not like defending Son and Kane. And going the other way, uh, United's defenders, for me, just simply aren't good enough in 1v1 matchups across Maguire, Lindelof, Varane, whoever plays, into the fullback positions to be able to defend City. And I just don't think that they're good enough. And if they want to leave players high and defend 6v6 or 7v7, I just don't see how they're going to keep City out. And I think Ranić will probably look at the game. They've been performing well, keeping the goals out, nicking ones and twos here. And I think he'll go with quite a defensive approach. And for me, the most likely scoreline in this game is going to be a Man City win by two goals to nil. I looked at the markets. I was expecting Man City to be minus one and a half and it's one and a quarter. So my bet in this potential bet, the Man City, Man United derby, is for Manchester City to win and to cover the handicap of minus one and a quarter. OK, top stuff. That's the City United game. Um, anything else to add on that? We've dealt with the bets. All happy? All happy, yeah. I think that's, that's pretty clear. Man City to bring it home. Love it. Um, now I want you to take me around Europe, if you can. Pick out the, the key talking points from the European fixtures this, this week. There's a massive game in Serie A, actually. Top of the table clash. And that title race has got very, very interesting now. Yeah, well, last week we sat here and we talked about Napoli drawn, I bet, and over two and a half goals. And I was sat here in my apartment watching the game. You know, just it, it started. It start for those users that, that did watch it, didn't watch it. The game frenetic for the first 15, 20 minutes, but it was still nil nil. And then, you know, Fabian, um, Fabian Rees has grabbed a goal in the 94th minute to win it 2-1. And what a finish. Unbelievable. What a finish. People didn't... You know when Carlos scored that free kick that went, you know, like... Yeah, the torn what? Ruiz's finish started about... It started in Rome and then came back in. <laughs> it was ridiculous. And it's weird because Insigne's goal was one side and then his goal was the other side, right foot, left foot. And in between that, you've got... Is he 35 or 34 now, Pedro? What a volley as well from I him. Know, that goal was an absolute worldie. I thought, you know, as everyone knows now, I'm sure who watches and listens to the Bet It Right show, I'm on Napoli to win the league. So when he scored that volley, you I thought... You mentioned that at all. <laughs> <laughs> I thought... Um, it's very similar to you being an Everton fan, actually. There's two constant themes. Yeah. One is I'm massively cheering Napoli. Anyway, when Pedro scored, I thought, one, you can't do anything about a goal like that. Oh, and, and two, like, how's your luck, really? Because Napoli, I thought, should have won it prior to that. They missed a good chance. They, I think they had a goal disallowed, didn't they? Um, yeah, for offside, yeah. Insigne yeah. was offside. 
And Ozzerman, I'll tell you what, that man is hard as nails because his cheek twice took an absolute pounding. I know, and then it doesn't get any easier. Then this, you know, they come through that game and now they're at home to Milan. And this is the game that you've just, you know, that we're talking about. It's first versus second. They're 57 points each. There's a six-goal difference. Both teams weirdly last lost in the league at home to Spezia, who are fighting under Thiago Motta towards the bottom of the table. But, you know, they're, Napoli are unbeaten in eight since losing that game. AC Milan, drawn three out of the last five, but unbeaten since losing at home to Spezia. It's a game where both teams need momentum. Napoli very, very aggressive at home. AC Milan prefer to counter-attack, so they need teams to come on to them to get them moving. It can be very slow if they're left to work the ball side to side. So I think this will actually, under the lights on a Sunday night, uh, Milan coming out of the 0-0 draw in the cup with, uh, with Inter Milan in midweek. This will be a game that, again, similar to last week, should be high tempo, should be aggressive and could explode if we get an early goal. Now, Napoli's defensive record at home is the best in the league. Only given up 0.65 goals from 0.71 xG, which is outstanding. Their in-possession work is brilliant as well. Almost 1.7 goals from almost 2 xG. And AC Milan are number one from goals away from home. 2.21. A little bit overperforming, only from 1.4 xG. But again, they offer a threat. When you look at that, I'd think, oh, well, the market will probably be 2.75. But actually, it's 2.5 on the goals. And Napoli are minus a quarter. So for me, again, we're going to go a repeat of last week, over two and a half, and Napoli minus a quarter on the handicap. Not quite the draw no bet, but it is Milan. But I expect them to see the game through. Lovely. Glad you said that. Uh, what else is going on in Europe? <laughs> so let's go a little bit of a trip around Europe. Like you say, normally let's get our passports to go for the rest. In La Liga, we have a big game in the top six, Real Betis against Atletico Madrid. Five points separates third and seventh, so it's a huge game. Uh, Betis at home, massive outputs, 1.7 goals, 1.4 xG. Atletico Madrid have been one of the most overish teams away from home with 11 out of their 13 games going over 2.5. And they've scored over two and a half team goals in nine of their 13 games, which is, you know, quite unbelievable for a Simeone team that we've discussed before. And so here I'm going to go for potential over 2.5 and Follow the, you know, track the prices over the next few days. If Atletico Madrid are available, draw no bet. It's not quite there at the moment, but I would also take Atletico Madrid, draw no bet, and over 2.5 in that game. Now hopping over to Germany. Hertha Berlin have really been struggling against an Eintracht Frankfurt team who have struggled again, or have struggled this season since the manager left. Both teams with lots of new players. Hertha carrying lots of injuries. Hertha no win in the league since December. And they've conceded the second highest XG in goals at home this season. Eintracht Frankfurt have been better at home than away, averaging almost 1.5 goals a game. The big thing for me here is that both teams really need a win, having been on a bit of a difficult run. There's three angles that I'm going to throw out here. So bet it right users, get on the website, look at recency, look at the teams, see what you feel like. But I've got three angles to look at this. Firstly is both teams to score, which I think, is the number one shout. The number two shout is over 2.5. Eintracht can be a little bit stingy, but I do think that Hertha's defensive record will invite them to play more. And thirdly, Eintracht Frankfurt, minus a quarter on the handicap. You can go minus a half and be aggressive on it. You could bet them to win and be aggressive. Just a reminder that when you bet a quarter, if it's a draw, you only lose half of your bet. 
So again, it's for punters to have a little look, have a feel. But there's three potential shouts in the Bundesliga this week. And the final game is over in the Eredivisie. Yes, I got it right this time, Eredivisie. Uh, Feyenoord in third versus Groningen. Another big game with Feyenoord now trying to fight into that second Champions League spot. They lost at home last week in a game that we previewed and recommended over 2.5, which came in. Thank you, AZ Alkmaar and Feyenoord. So they should go hard after this game. Eight out of 12 of their home games have been over 2.5. Groningen mid-table, but again, eight out of 12 of their away games have been over 2.5. Feyenoord have a good record at home. Over 1.5 goals in nine out of their 12 games. And Groningen have a good record of nicking a goal. Over 0.5 goals to one goal in nine of their 12 away games. Now, their record against the top three or four teams, they lost 5-2 away to Ajax. They lost 3-0 away to PSV. They only lost 1-0 away to AZ Alkmaar, but there was a red card after four minutes. So I do think this is a team that can get overrun by quality. For me there, it will be over 2.5. For bigger odds, over 2.75. Remembering that you need to win by two to win your full bet. And also a little bonus, if you want to be brave, to back Feyenoord to cover the handicap of 1.5. This is a game I see them winning 3-1. So that's my shout out for the Eredivisie. I can never get that right, Eredivisie. Doesn't just doesn't flow. No. You've got it right. And they're my games from around Europe. And yeah, I think there's some great value there. Good stuff. Uh, well, hopefully, like last week, you can keep that great form rolling on. I think all but one of your your suggested bets, and there were plenty on last week's show, came in. So it was a very, very healthy level stakes profit. Now, normally that's the end of the show because we go, well done. We've been around Europe. We've taken you to the kit room with surprise shirts. We've done the tactics room, the Premier League preview. We go, good luck, everyone. Have a great weekend. But next week is Champions League football, second legs. And um, so we're going to do a little bonus um, part to this show this week. And that is by touching on some of the key talking points for the Champions League fixtures next week. What are you looking at? Well, the four from the four games, I'm going to take one. I'm going to throw it in the bin straight away. The Man City sporting game, I just wouldn't get involved in. 5-0 from the first leg. I'd wait for teams, have a look to see what City are doing. They probably want to keep momentum, but I'm sure there'll be some changes in there. Not massive because you never know, but the lines at the moment are minus two and a quarter and 3.5, which suggests a uh, 3.25 which suggests to me that the bookies are looking at a three, three or four goal game, Man City 3-0, you know, 2-0, do they take their foot off the gas? So that's a game for me that's straight in the bin. Going over to Germany, Bayern Salzburg 1-1 after the first game, but there was a massive XG in favour of Bayern, 2.9 XG to 1.3 for Salzburg. And this is a game where I think that Nagelsmann will go after it hard early, whether he plays three at the back or four, he's been playing around with the team a bit, but I do think this is a game that's going to have goals. Salzburg offer a threat on the counter-attack. So I'm going to go over 3.5 in the Bayern-Salzburg game. Now to Anfield. 2-0 after the first leg. Both teams really struggling in the final third. Obviously, Firmino scored the unbelievable header that was a really low XG moment. And both teams not even over 1 XG each. 0.8, 0.7. So 1.5 total for the game. Liverpool winning 2-0. I think that going into Anfield, into need to score, Liverpool will want to get on the front for early. And Inter have really been struggling in the league recently. Uh, uh, recently. In the final third, just not connections, uh, you know, not connecting as well as they normally do. Inzaghi, 
has really struggled to find a plan B with this team and there's just no rotation off the bench that takes them forward. It's very predictable. So here I'm going to go over 2.75, which I think is a very generous line in this game with both teams to score. And finally, the big one. Real Madrid, Paris Saint-Germain. What's going to happen? How is, you know, how are Real Madrid going to get back into this fixture when they know that PSG have that pace on the counter-attack? It's going to be a really interesting tactical battle. And I'm not really sure how Ancelotti's going to approach it. Does he go front foot? Does he go aggressive? Does he use the Bernabeu crowd? But then he's thinking, oh my God, killing Mbappe, you know, versus Carvajal, poor Danny Carvajal from the first game. Um, it's, it's going to be, an, uh, you know, a really, really good, that's the one I'm really looking forward to. PSG 2.1 XG against Madrid 0.2. The market has PSG draw no bet at even money and 2.75 on the goal line. And I just think that's way, way, way too big. So I would be PSG side, draw no bet. I think on the counter-attack, they can just be, you know, too much for Real Madrid to deal with. And I do think that this game's going to have goals. There was only one, obviously, in the 94th minute in the first game. But 2.75 to me, the line, I think there's going to be goals here. I think the game will blow up. I think there's going to be some something crazy that happens because the first game had it, but that just for that final... That final part wasn't there. Maybe Neymar starts. You know, maybe Messi actually remembers how to play football. Who knows? <laughs> but that is actually the game that I think, it, out of the four games, that's the one that I'll be tuning into. OK, top stuff. Let's have a look at some of the champion, well, the Champions League fixtures that are coming up uh, next week. Dean, thank you very much, as always. Um, pleasure. Good luck with your bets this week. Um, as I say, a huge well done for your selections last week and a very happy birthday. I hope your birthday week can continue. Have you got anything nice planned this weekend to celebrate? Lots of football. Uh, <laughs> might watch a bit of football and then <laughs> think and write about a bit of football. I mean, I might, if, if, if there's time, maybe Sunday afternoon I might squeeze in a round of golf. But yeah, other than that, you know, I can't drag my birthday out for too long, right? It's already been a few days now. If I keep talking about it, it, people are like, come on, man, move on. Like, move yeah. on. You know, you've already turned 34 or 43. Just move on. <laughs> Who knows? Top man. Um, thanks, of course, to you at home for watching, listening. Um, make sure you like, subscribe, tell your friends. And um, most importantly, the data and the reminder that the data that Dean talks about and the numbers, the analytics, it's all available to you at betitright.com. So check it out. And uh, it will help you bet better, which I hope you do this weekend. Best of luck, everyone. We'll see you next week.